0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone.
1: I am Bridget McGowan and I am joined by Joe Welch. Joe, welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you for having me on. I've been looking forward to this all fall.
0: Oh, wow. That is exciting to say the least. So, Joe, tell our listeners what is it that you normally speak on? What is your core message as a professional speaker?
1: My core message is twofold. One, it's about my values, which is inclusion, engagement. And really making sure that people are having are getting the message that they need to have, uh, that started for me, you know, through my career as a sign language interpreter, where I was in leadership, and that leadership included work to, with interpreters of color, communities of color, and so my diversity, equity, and inclusion, all of that is the basis of of everything that I do in in present tense, especially when I'm speaking. Uh, My passion project is that I'm Joe Welch, the beneficiary's best friend, and I do focus, and I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned to you that I have an upcoming summit and a book that's coming out that's focused on the will. However, That's not the only topic that I do speak on, but right now it is absolutely wearing my heart on my sleeve and starting the conversation for entrepreneurs, people of color, especially women who are out there in the workforce and saying that our values start at understanding how to protect ourselves and that that's a foundation that then brings us into how we build our wealth. I realize that there may be some sound in the background. I just wanted to check in with you. Are you able to hear that there's a large tree being cut down right around? No, that is so good to know.
0: Yeah, I don't hear the large tree being cut down in your area. And I'm just assuming you don't hear... I don't know if it's a a leaf blower or lawnmower going on in my neighborhoods. So. Excellent.
1: <laughs> well, for those of you out there who are listening in, especially when we are on, you know, virtual and doing this in all different ways, there's so much going on in our own personal neighborhoods. And it's just a good reminder, just because we're talking about speaking right now, Um, is to have good equipment to make sure that your voice and everything is just going on without any concern. So I'm glad and I'm glad we talked about it a little bit because that shows you a little bit about how I think and how I believe speaker world should exist is we should see behind the curtain.
0: I will say before, I'm telling you just minutes before we got on, I printed up a new lovely sign to put on our front door because I tell you, I don't care how many times our UPS driver or our Amazon driver comes to our door and I know they see me through this window just talking away. (laughs) Ring that doorbell. So just minutes before we got on, I put a new lovely sign up on our door right by the doorbell that reads, please do not ring the doorbell, smiley face. I tell you, it drives me insane.
1: I know. Well, I mean, I think that that, that's one of the interesting things that has happened is in this post-pandemic world is our worlds came into our homes. There's so many new rules and expectations. You know, we're thinking, why isn't this common sense? And then I have no idea what a UPS driver goes through from day in and day out now that everybody's at home. You know, it's it's a it's a snapshot into people's lives. So I'm sure he may not have even seen this. He or she or they didn't even see the sign. They're on automatic pilot. I just put it up, no, no, I just put the sign up just minutes ago. Yes,
0: I used to have one up a while back, and then everybody got you know used to it. They understood, so I took it down. And then our UPS driver, his name is Reggie, he's so wonderful, retired in June of 2022. And I never put a new sign up, right? So I've been interrupted enough times since June, July of 2022, that I finally put a new sign up today. Now, speaking of sign, how did you get into American Sign Language? Did you as a child say, ASL, that's what I'm doing? How did you get into that?
1: Well, as a first generation American, so I'm, you know, a first gen. Uh, there's a a woman out there who's was one of my coaches, Denise Solar Cox, who had a movie about us first gens that uh, is about being enye, like for for those people who grow up where their parents are from somewhere else and they're from here, born there and came young, or maybe you're born here in the United States, you know, to immigrant parents or to uh, even deaf community have that same the same idea of having a first generation that is different than the previous. That was, that's my life. My parents are from Columbia. They immigrated in the sixties. They became, you know, they assimilated, became, you know, citizens here. They have their life here and I came into it, but was always that conduit for my father, for my mother, explaining culture and words. I was like a moving dictionary, an encyclopedia all wrapped into one. And I got into sign language because I had a deaf friend in the eighth grade who I was just fascinated, started learning a bunch of signs. Next thing I know, it's just it's just part of my DNA. I had, gone to college, not to become an interpreter, but to be, ha- be an actress. And, and I was in theater and performance. And then from there, I again was like, this isn't the right path for me. I found my way to interpreting. I started very grassroots plus, And then I ended up graduating from Northeastern University here in Boston. And I'm celebrating a 30 year career this year. So it's hard to believe that those those early days of getting started and even the feelings, and I know that there's a lot of people listening today that may wonder about like where they fit into that bigger picture. Like, you know, maybe they're feeling a little different about themselves. Do they belong? How do they fit in? If you've got immigrant parents or your parents are from somewhere else, or, you know, there is an element to that. And I feel like by shining light on that aspect, not only through my interpreting work, also leads me to how I'm a speaker and why being a speaker is is just such a great fit for me is because we there's so many different points of view. And the goal for us is to bring a message and to reach a, a lot of people at the same time. And I feel that with my experience, not only as a first gen, but also the sign language and the deaf community, the deaf blind community, it's all about communication. It's all about all of us reaching a goal, a similar goal together. Like how do we get there? And so that drives one of my values, which is inclusion. And that happens whether I'm on the stage in front of a camera in the work I do from day to day, it's, it's all baked in there.
0: Oftentimes when we deliver a presentation, we worry about reaching everyone. We want to reach everyone. At the same time, I will tell people you will not reach 100% one hundred percent of the audience, one hundred percent of the time, with one hundred percent of your words and effort, you just won't. What is your thought behind reaching everyone, and is it possible? And how much did you should you stress yourself out, or maybe I, stress isn't the right, right. word?
1: Well, yeah. it. I think that I think that when we don't know how to manifest certain things, it is a stressor. And, right, that's part of education, it's part of learning, it's part of of our own growth is that when we don't know, those things put us into a position where we feel like we don't have the control. And so if anyone is listening, this is going to be Joe Welch's advice. Ask Joe. I'm also known as the beneficiary's best friend. There's a lot of things that I do that I love, again, communicating and making sure that we're all on the same page. One is there's some basic things that we can just put into our virtual, put into our meetings that help that Reaching everybody by simply having it as part of the foundation. So, for example, making sure that you have your captions turned on in Zoom is the most set it and forget it thing, even though it doesn't fulfill the the requirement 100%, it's definitely the first step in terms of meeting a lot of people's needs, whether they're second language learners, whether they're deaf and using and needing a different mode of communication, people who come from other countries, English as a second language, people who process in different ways. Just having captions is a great, easy fix and I will say, you you know, what are the things that I do? I have a background in a couple different areas, and that includes being a certified virtual producer. So wanting to know how this works and how people can get the best results, especially virtually, is a big part of my work, whether I'm speaking about wills or whether I'm talking to you here on this podcast, or if I'm behind the scenes and helping your podcast or your event be successful. So that Zoom is really critical. Two is... I love knowing things through the lens of generation. So when I'm using, especially the technology that we have now, you know, like AI and people are using this like crazy. One, I would say heads up, be thoughtful, be, you know, be, remember that it's not a perfect system. We get nothing for free. But on the other side is you can create a prompt that helps you be inclusive and more aware automatically. Even in the chat GBT that's for free, you can put in a custom instruction, and this is what I've done, that says gender neutral, um, you know, multiple generations, uh, you know, looking for, you know, staying away from politics, but, you know, and ableism, you know, audism, I, you know, I use those kind of prompts to help things be more inclusive. You know, the, the final piece is, is about time. You know, I think that, and, and AI is a really great example of this, is that our world is getting faster and faster, and we equate that with expertise, we equate that with success. But the reality is that if we're going to be addressing all, you know, a lot more than just the our own market or the people that are like us, if we really do want to allow more people to feel included we do need to take some time we need to make sure that we've thought about it at that registration point that maybe a participant who's coming in might need some services that we're thinking about it when we're using examples to not just simply you you know assume that everybody is male or female or that you know we're looking at like old text where everything was written with he and it ignores that women are on this planet right or that our cultures are so different, that people have different faiths. There's such easy little fixes that just allow us to get more into a neutral space that allows everybody to feel welcome. And then, while maybe not every single message and not every single audience member, but we definitely have more people feeling like they've been seen and heard. And that's the engagement piece that we're looking right? You guys are out there, you're creating your events. And maybe you're wondering why people aren't coming back. Are they engaged? Are they feeling like they're seen? Or are they just another check box and money into a into an account? So that to me, it brings in the engagement piece. And and I think it's it's easier than we think by setting by setting a few basic things in place from the very beginning and being thoughtful in advance. And I could I could go on for hours to talk about how how inclusion happens and access and and feel free to reach out to me if you want. (laughs) I'm happy to talk more about it.
0: Check the show notes, everyone. I have Joe's e- not email address, but her website down there and it's uh, askjoe.org and you can reach out to her there and connect with her on social media. Joe, affectionately known as the beneficiary's best friend, That's is a awesome. dynamic speaker, collaborative author, and proud member of Boss Latinas. With her infectious energy and uplifting spirit, Jo brings a whole new level of fun to the table. Her her unique approach to boosting self-esteem, creating a lasting legacy, and building generational wealth is not only effective, but also incredibly enjoyable. Drawing on her rich life experiences as a first-generation American with Latina parents, And her deep connections within the deaf community, Jo is a versatile leader who knows how to make personal growth and inclusion feel like a thrilling adventure. As a sought-after speaker and collaborating author with Boss Latinas, Jo combines her expertise with a touch of playful charm, making every interaction a memorable and enjoyable experience. I want to know, what is a strategy or two That you would offer up to listeners, Joe, that would ensure they are always memorable. Because as I'm thinking about my, I wouldn't call it an introduction of you considering we're like 15 minutes into the show. I love it. (laughs) But as I'm thinking about how you work to make every interaction memorable. And I get the impression you do the same thing that I like to do, where where it doesn't matter if I'm at the grocery store, at the bank, at the post office, I tend to be one of those people that is hard to forget. How can listeners or what can listeners put in place immediately that will make them memorable?
1: Um, Definitely being a listener. Yes, is critical, um, you know, and I, and I think that this is, you know, and I know I'm talking to business owners as well out here. And so I remember when I was coming up in the networking world and learning and I had the, the, the business offerings that I have, like we all have services and products and things we want to share. And I got into the networking space and it just felt like people were very directed. They wanted to just tell me things. And if I didn't look like I checked the box in my head, they would just move on. And so I feel like if you are really taking the moment to hear where people are coming from, to know and and be and just listen, hear it, make sure that it resonates with you, that that's what's going to really be lasting. And like a side note, kind of an admin note: when you get a business card or you open up a, a contact in your in your, whether it's your spreadsheet, however you're doing that on a notebook. Keep in mind some of those little small non-business details because it really does, it surprises people when they're like, oh, did you remember that about me? You know, I hadn't even... You know, I, it was just something I said or something I did. And so definitely one of them is the, the, the memorable ones. And even that is a is the opportunity to call back. And so for those of you on stages, you know, if you do have any kind of engagement and you're asking people for feedback in the room, that's a great way as well is to bring those comments back in, find out what people's names are, you know, call them by name. And, and it just adds a personal touch. Um, to well, be a member. Yeah. Th- th- so go ahead. Well, I was going to say I like the
0: the the last point you made about calling them by name. People will remember that. Or they may not specifically remember the fact that you called them by name, but there is a certain feeling that comes up for them. Absolutely. And and and, and that and it's a positive feeling. And so they may not be able to put their finger on exactly where that feeling came from or how you created that feeling. But I promise you, Joe, just by calling people by their name during the course of a conversation, it is going to
1: make you memorable. That's just Absolutely. one Absolutely. Absolutely. And the second thing would be, especially in the virtual world, and you're trying to get engagement from your audience, remember that not one, not one tool fits everybody. So when you are, and I'm always as a, as a producer, this is my producer hat on the, the point of engagement is about your audience feeling like there isn't a screen up in front of them and a microphone and that they're having distance. Bridget and I, just met a minute ago, right? We're here together on this interview. And already I feel like I know more about her, who she is, because we're really listening to each other. So when you're planning your activities, one, plan some activities. Two, plan a couple different kinds of ways for your audience to engage. So it could be that people are raising hands if you're in person or even in, on, on your um, devices if you're doing it virtually. It could be that they're using the chat to create what they call a chatterfall where people put lots of words. And so remember that there's different ways of how people receive information, are able to deliver information, and especially the introvert or the one who needs more processing time, put in an activity that really does cater to that, which is, you know, I'm going to talk about this right now. And at the end of this session, so you're just giving them guide posts. Like at the end of this, this is going to go for about five minutes. And at the end of this, I'm going to ask everybody to put your top thought in the chat. And so by doing things, by setting the stage, not only for differentiated learning. So people who are learning in their own styles but also for the person who might want or listen or process in a different way, they don't feel like they're missing your train. Instead, you're saying, I'm going to make sure that this train is running just as fast as you are so that you can get on and off as you want to. And so for me, those are things that come from my experience as a sign language interpreter. I worked a lot in, in education at middle high school, and also I had a 10 years at a university as the deaf Coordinator for services. Like, this is just stuff that just should just be part of who we are every day. And even on a big stage, taking a pause, a deliberate, intentional one to say, you know, I've got you is memorable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Spot on. Those are fantastic, fantastic recommendations. Joe, what are some of your presentation must haves where you've got to? either do this practice or wear this outfit or drink this beverage or whatever it is (laughs) for me one of mine is i must have a clicker and i must have a hands-free microphone i do not want a handheld microphone under any circumstances and I do not want someone else controlling my slides. Call me what you want to call me out there in podcasting.
1: know. I'm going to no, love it. Well, as of as so the producer hat says, if that's what you want to do and control your slides. Fantastic. You know, go for it. For some folks, they don't even know that it's possible that someone else is listening and can move those along. So for those of you out there, that is a thing. But, you know, everybody has a different way of wanting to do it. Some of us also, and I'll bet you there's a lot of people out there who are like me where you do a lot of things in the moment. So that's why you want to have control because you might, you know, today that slide was two seconds, but tomorrow it might be 10 it, it might be something else. You might skip over things. So I feel you. I'm a, I'm a, in the moment, that's one of my zones of genius is if you need somebody in the, like in the, the final stretch, I'm your girl, I'm efficient, effective, successful. And I love being in that zone. But for me, um, being on here, and and, and those of you who are hearing us right now, we are audio, but in fact, I can see her because we are also on Zoom. And so I did my hair. So I'm just going to pull it down for you. So one is I like putting some curlers in my hair just to make sure that everything is tame. Even though we weren't recording today, I did my face. So even if it's mild, just a little bit, I do like to dress up or be in that presentation space. I tend to do a lot of virtual right now. And so that is definitely, those are two things that are are critical for me. I also must have, no matter what I'm doing, something to write on because I know. And so <laughs> I'm going to just unpack that a little bit. You know, it is the, it is ultimately the, uh, parking lot. So I use parking lot in my, in my presentations, whether in person or virtual, which means that there are people who have questions, uh, non sequiturs they thought of something and there needs to be a place to be able to put those ideas so that the flow can keep moving but they're still being heard like you know so i'll take a break and just look at that you know if if i was in a meeting i'd look at that space to see what we've covered what's ahead and that also helps me redefine i also write as we're talking if there are critical points that we want to cover I know that sometimes, and I'm sure you guys do too, that you're in the middle of a thought and you're like, why am I telling you this? Like, how did I get here? Like, <laughs> And so being able to look down and and say like, oh, right, we're talking about, you know, what does it mean to be a speaker? Um, I can't wait to tell you more about my specific, you know, the topics that I talk about, but that's our also that connection, right? So I'm like, right, we are all speakers here, whether it's novice, whether we have years under our belt, whether we're teaching other people. And so being able to put that here is just that reminder and it grounds me to come back of being on this microphone.
0: In a few minutes, you'll have the opportunity to ask me a question, Joe. Ooh, but I, I can't want... wait. <laughs> oh no, oh my goodness. I want to... Kind of go a little bit n- deeper into those must haves, especially when you brought up that you do a lot of virtual work. So I'm going to share with you a few of my must haves when it comes to virtual presentations. I must have my standing desk. I'm not standing right now, I typically will stand. Uh, when I am presenting, not typically, I do stand when I present online. When I deliver a live webinar, I will be standing. So I must have my standing desk. When I do podcast interviews, eh, it just depends on how I'm feeling for the day. Right now I'm a little a little under the weather, so I'm trying not to exert myself too much. I must have my professional lighting, which right now I don't have it properly adjusted because, well, you know, this is audio only, so who cares? I must have, <laughs> I must have, yeah, because you can see the reflection of it back there. And that's mm-hmm. not a
1: good look. So, so for those of you out there, we, we can, like you said, we can see each other and we can, I can see into her room and we are, we are, we look good, but we're comfortable. I do have my professional. I like don't. Me. Girl, you're gorgeous. <laughs> look, when you start out at amazing, you cannot, it's not fair to everybody else. You it, right?
0: <laughs> oh, you're funny.
1: <laughs> So I also I just I'm nodding at her and we're pointing. She just pointed at an image behind her that has the the ring light. I can see it in the in the bottom. I also have my professional lighting, so I'm also giving like little high fives and pointing at stuff. <laughs> an excellent always having a good microphone. 100% right? <laughs> super super critical.
0: Right. So right. And so when I'm doing the webinars, I will use my professional microphone. I'll have the uh I'll typically have another machine up as a standby, just in case I have to get onto another machine. So I have several must-haves and without a doubt, my hair, makeup, both of those must be done when I do a webinar and I must wear one of four colors that look fabulous on camera, coral, (laughs) green, blue, Or purple. Those are the three that you'll see me wearing if I am delivering a webinar. I know people are like, does she not have any more clothes? No, it's because when I deliver a webinar, those colors look outstanding on camera. People will say, oh my goodness, all those colors look great on you. No, they just look great on camera. It's not me. It's
1: not me. Well, and again, you know, uh (laughs) I'll show you mine and then we'll go back to that. (laughs) So I'm showing a sign right now that says no sorry zone. Love
0: it. Right. And so and so I
1: know that our listeners out there at some point in their life, if not today, maybe will or or have been there whether you apologize. And so you just said it's not me, it's the close. And again, but here's the no sorry zone. It is both it's you know you are standing up straight you have you've chosen out a great outfit and so we do have to take that responsibility and accountability that we're the ones who made the choice for me I'm a true winter when I did my colors, and so I tend so as an interpreter I tend to wear black, so I have a very wide array of black clothing in all sorts of <laughs> I know you do I do too well <laughs> and we know like the little black dress the little black pantsuit everything like that's always going to be a staple Um, You know, and I have started to find what are the the styles that look best on my body. I had bariatric surgery and I have a had a sleeve done in May and I've lost 55 pounds since May. Thank you. Which means I'm also going back in time through my wardrobe and finding all my favorite clothes. But anyway, so I will have a chance to start to supplement that. But I'm also in that um, the winter red is very good for me. Um. So, but I have to be a little more thoughtful because my audience, and again, these are things that I know from my life, but because my audience could include people with vision impairments who want to see what I'm doing or something, I'm always thoughtful not to have a lot of bold print. I tend to have not patterns necessarily. Today I'm wearing what looks like um, a sleeveless top with, uh, what is this called, like a boat? Is this a boat Boat. collar? Yeah, Boat neck. Mm -hmm. Boat neck. And then I have a little brooch on the side. So it's always, for me, it's very simple and sleek and very, very clean lines. Um, I love my curly hair, but it was, I I just got a cut and it's not exactly right. So it goes more up, which I love again, because it still has the the you know the, the lines going on so i'm with you on that the microphone the the lights my sign oh and just on the other side of this i work with engaging virtual meetings uh john chen and so he sends this yes. out to all his people do you know John Chen Chans- guest- yeah he was a guest on the show several months back absolutely oh my gosh and so this is his and then on the other side is a dry erase marker i mean a dry erase board so i can also show stuff and then look this is my new thing i'm adding can you see what it says ah <laughs> she has a mug that reads you're on mute <laughs> so i went I into it. an office uh, and i was admiring like I'm more than admiring i think she was worried i might take it from her and when i showed up in her office again because i have a regular job there she's like i have a present for you and i'm like what and she literally i just got it yesterday And so my you're on mute mug will always be with me, which I love. And so, you know, I love that you're bringing all of this up, the, the creature comforts you know, of, of what it is that we do, you know, whether you're a speaker for your first time, for your second time, for your 10th, a hundredth, you know, you're telling me you have 150 uh, of these episodes, you know, we're all coming (laughs) in a lot of different places. And I would say that, you know, if we talked about like how we feel about those moments, you know, how, how does our brain process, what it is that we're doing in those times, that would be called like a cognitive load. So if you know that you need a paper and pen nearby then, and you have it there every single time, you don't have to think about it. So that's one One thing off the cognitive load if you know that you like to talk and that your mouth gets dry and you have your your on mute mug nearby you can stop and get a drink of water p.s do not get a green mug if you have a green screen oh that's another important piece having the green screen well lit well lit green screen because without the lights the green screen doesn't fly And that means one of those four colors was green.
0: You should not wear it because all you're going to look like is a floating head on that green screen if you wear that green solid top. (laughs) Okay, Joe. what is
1: your question for me? My question for you, give me one quick second to think here because there's so many things. (laughs) I will say that my standard question is growing up, what was what is a food that if I brought it to you right now and you put it in your mouth, that it, it would just like bring you back to your childhood, that would just be like the quintessential, it, you know, it's we're we're in the future, I can just pop it into in front of you right now. What is that food that, that just opens your heart and brings you back to a different age?
0: Oh, okay. You changed it to a different age because I was about to say, Joe, you're making a bold assumption that I want to go back to childhood. <laughs>
1: okay. I, I actually am not, I don't make that assumption. Uh, you're right that the, the the memories could be good or bad, but like something, it could be bad. But it, my, my goal is, that, you know, what is a, like a favorite food that you Let- have it and it just brings you back to a moment?
0: Let me think. Wow,
1: wow, wow. Oh, my goodness. So while you're thinking, Uh, I'm just going to share with the audience that the reason (laughs) the reason I ask this, so when I ask for introductions in my whether it's in a zoom or whatever, I always ask for people to tell me their favorite flavor ice cream. And I always bring in cultural food, especially as a Latina, I tend to have a lot of POC people of color diversity in my speaker world. So the people I'm with, I'll ask them about food and cultural things because one, it's, you know, there's so many things that are the same across cultures, but have different names, have different rep- representations. Also for me, like it makes more sense to be sitting around a table eating together than it does just like randomly standing somewhere. So I always feel like it conjures up us being at a table together. And with that, I'll share mine. I had moved to from my my parents are Colombian. I was in New York and Miami. I moved to Boston, not as diverse as what I had grown up in. Miami, everybody was brown, everybody was from somewhere. When I came here, I did my my mom never made rice and beans. That wasn't a that wasn't a thing I grew up on. However, my best friend who was Dominican made rice and beans. And the minute I put when by the time we had become friends and she had cooked that meal for me, so it had been a couple years and I put that in my mouth, like my whole body exploded. It just it took me physically out of time and space of being here, you know, in my first few years of Boston, and totally brought me back to being in Miami and being in a place that was like home. It was, it was not just taste sensation, but it just like, it felt like an out of body experience. And it brought tears to my eyes, honestly, like just to have that bite was like, I couldn't and I and I didn't even realize it as a Latina, but as an American, as someone who was born here, I'd been kind of going forward. I was in a big environment with a lot of other Latinos. And then I came here and I didn't have it. And I didn't even realize what I was missing. And that to me was a gateway that just opened the door. So do you have something like that that's in your life?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's that's a fantastic story. And I love the way you describe the feeling that those rice and beans evoked for you. I will say Mampasteo rice. Mampas when my family, yes, rice. mampasteo rice. My family and I went to uh, went on a summer vacation with my very best friend and her family in the summer of 2022. We went to Puerto Rico, Ooh. and we had Mampas rice and I can't remember the name of the restaurant. It was so good. And I don't eat rice and beans. Funny enough. Yes. It was a rice and bean uh, recipe. Wow. Like you, I don't eat rice and beans. I grew up eating them. I didn't like them. That was my first time having rice and beans. Oh, Joe, I, you year, understand years, years. And it is the only way I will eat rice and beans now. But that was, I mean, I, oh, possibly my first time since being an adult that I had eaten rice and beans. But it's not just your average rice and beans, and it does take some time. The most laborious part of it, and I don't like to call it laborious because I love to cook, but the most time intensive part of it is making the stewed beans you have the pink beans you have um saison, you have mm-hmm. red bell pepper you have yellow onion you have cilantro you have um uh, the uh, there's uh what is it uh, tomato sauce and so on and so forth and then it has to stew for about 40 45 minutes before you then mix it with the red rice and your sausage and so on and so on. So, so good
1: it I'm button. looking, I looked it, it up back. online immediately. So it looks, okay. it it looks like a yellow rice beans. It has pork belly, sweet plantains. So it's not just, well, rice I don't and make beans, it with it the
0: plantains. I don't make it with the plantains. I'm not that adventurous. I'm not that exotic. <laughs> and there, there are several versions of, of the recipe. I make mine with, wow. with uh chorizo sausage, but you can mm. make it with ham. You can make it with bacon. You, you can, can make it without any meat at all. Right. You could just have the stewed beans and mm-hmm. the rice it is fabulous. And my husband, after we got back from Puerto Rico, I was making Mampasteo rice almost every single week. And it got to a point where one day he walks in the kitchen, he opens up a lid, he looks in, he just puts the lid back on the pot and walks away because it was probably my like my sixth time making it. Isn't that funny? Like when you get two.
1: the when you get into that flavor profile and it just like hits all the notes. You know, and I love it. And I hope I look forward to because, you know, people are going to be responding to this to this podcast and to to hearing what stories we're telling. So I hope you do share. Feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear your food stories because they're so they're so relevant. And I think that as adults, sometimes if they're in the past, like, you know, for me growing up who I was and where I lived and moving changed a lot of those dynamics. So it just like uncovers things for, for people in different ways, right? Not everybody wants to go back. And I certainly am not looking to turn back the hands of time. <laughs> I do love getting older. I I love someone framed it as levels. And so I'm like a level 53. And I just thought that that was a really great way of looking at aging that I've leveled to 53 so far. So, you know, and I'm planning on continuing to go up in the levels, but these are the things that bring us together. We all do have to eat, even if it's very simple, even if it's that you don't like to eat, there's something about it that is yours. And we all do it. And that again, goes back to that connection. So, you know, we're looking on finding ways to engage with the people around us. Uh, Do you mind if I just share a little bit about what I know that when you guys hear this, it's going to be in the first quarter, but I'm hoping you're going to come out reach out to me because i will have a book out it's called no excuses and this goes back to the beneficiary's best friend uh, it's called no excuses finish your will now and so this is about again i'm not not again i'm i'm telling you for the first time i'm not a will lawyer i'm the will fairy I'm here to keep you accountable. And the way I approach this is a way I approach everything, which is through patience and stories, finding those ways of connection and really just understanding why these things are important in the big, in the long run. Whether it's Mampo's rice, which was just a recent discovery, there's something that had value. And very often we don't realize that these little moments in our life are the value that we're leaving behind, whether it's a story or a photo or a recipe, as well as a legacy. Um, and with that, I'm I'm going to have a summit. So there'll be more summits beyond that. So if you want to find me out, joewelch.com is a way to just, you know, get on my list. I'm happy to share. I love sending away free things. I've got an ebook, you know, who gets your cheese. And And really, I would love for you to put time on my book and just let's just talk and get to know each other. I know there's a lot of people out there who are amazing, who might have stories similar to mine. I would love to meet you. Um, and, you know, and who knows, maybe we can find a way to work together or maybe just be colleagues and partners across the world. The For me, the pandemic was just opening up a virtual door around the world. You had asked me offline about the networks that I'm in, and I'm in a couple that I really love. So I'm just going to quickly share. And they each have their own flavor. One is the global tea break it's just a cool vibe. It meets once a once a month. The people are awesome. There's education. It's very chill. I'm also a co-host for the Easy Way Network Pitch Party. And what's going on in that is high energy. And you're definitely like hustling and moving and being a part of that. And then I would just wanna advise everybody out there to get your coach, to find the people who are gonna take you to where you're gonna go next, who've been there. And for me, that's in Forbes Riley's world. I've been a part of her work. And and as a result, I have an amazing community of other people who are also growing and loving. And the reason I share this is one, I'm inviting you to where I'm gonna be all the time. So you can always find me there. Oh, ooh, I almost forgot. I love karaoke. I'll talk to you about that in a second. But, you know, I want you to be where I'm at with it's always been the way I approach things, but also the reminder that especially if you're getting started and you're feeling a little lost and you're feeling like, I'm not sure how to how to get traction under here. The way to do that is by building a network of people who are aiming in the direction that you want to go is it does. They do say that the people around you define you. If you have people around you who don't know about speaking, who don't know what the next steps are, who don't know how to be successful, then you're not going to have the traction to find your way there. But if you start to open up your circles and start to find those resources in a lot of different ways, you're going to start to find that there's a lot of really great information, amazing people, connections to be made, and so much to learn because we do it in all these different ways. So it has been. This has been an absolute joy, and we were everywhere. Thank you for giving me a minute to just kind of <laughs> share a yeah. few things. And this is, I I love these kind of conversations because we didn't even we we barely scratched the surface. So I'm hoping that there's more opportunity for us to talk deeper. And um and yeah, I do karaoke hashtag karaoke for those of you, and it's online. So uh, I, I <laughs> that
0: is wild. That is wild. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Listen, Joe, you don't realize how much you helped me on this show. Our son eats nothing but goldfish crackers, green apples, and uh, let me think, what's one other thing? Bacon. Okay, that's all he eats. His teacher sent home this project where we have to send in this family recipe. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? He eats nothing. Like he barely eats enough to keep a bird alive. And any of these family recipes I'm supposed to come up with, he doesn't eat any of them. And he's supposed to do a project on it, actually bring the food to school for his students to eat it. And he's supposed to make this full-blown presentation. And I really want to tell her it's all going to be a ruse, okay, when he gets up there. I have a a
1: recommendation. Go ahead. You were going
0: to say what? I'm going to do the mama stale rice because I've been trying to figure out what. Well, I think I might do the mama stale rice because his classmates have to eat it. A- at first, I was going to do mac and cheese because everybody eats mac and cheese. And I absolutely do love mac and cheese. Even from my childhood, I love mac and cheese. But what's your recommendation, Joe? Because
1: I th- so you- here's my recommendation. And this is this is what? also how I'm approaching it in the, in the will book as well. Yeah. We don't always have to be a positive spin. They want a recipe. Great. Have your kid go and talk about how much they hate it have them you know bring, bring something and be like this is for my family it shows up every thanksgiving my mom makes me have a bite I don't like it but it has it came from her auntie it came from here like it, she he can do still the, pre- the presentation they- he
0: doesn't have to like it there we go there we go I mean when I got that homework assignment I started texting all of my girlfriends I was like what am I so what am I supposed to do with this what am I supposed he, to do with this? you know what so to they, be
1: the rule suggested- is Go ahead. Oh, what's the rule? What's the rule? It's a one bite rule. So that that's something that I've actually instilled in other family. My child is now 19 years old. The rule has always been you have to have one bite and say thank you. You had to be able to take a bite, try it and say, no, thank you. That's not my preference or my taste. And I literally have spread it to my friends where they had the one bite rule. So at least they tried everything. And then, you know, in the book. So in this book that I'm writing right now, there are people who have to bury and, and, and do all the things for people that they hate, that they don't love, that they that they have nothing but negative feelings for. And so part of the chapters are going to include, like, what do you do when you don't like this person? The obituary doesn't have to be nice if that's not who you know what I mean. That It doesn't. Those are those are expectations of a different time. And so, this,
0: my friends, is why you plan your own funeral before you die.
1: And talk to me because I'm the wolf and,
0: and, and talk to Joe. Listen, you've given far better advice than any of my other friends, because Joe, they told me stuff like, oh, we'll send them up there with bacon wrapped goldfish. So because anyway,
1: it's fancy. <laughs> no, I, I don't it doesn't seem like one that you do very often. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if, if you get if you went there with a box of bacon, you know, again, <laughs> if that's what makes sense and you sent them there with a box of bacon. And you said, this is my favorite food. Does it, it, it didn't have to be a favorite food. Just said it had to be a family food.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, but also it te- what it teaches them is how to be truthful without being negative. Like yeah. they can say, I don't like this. Yeah, but i see that it shows up here here and here they can still do all the facts they can still be like yeah. my mom makes me peel these onions no, every this time
0: is, this is this is perfect
1: you this have perfect. to share you're gonna have to share it. ladies and gentlemen everybody out there we will know because this is going to be that we're going forward in time when this this show is aired so there will already be a legacy on whatever the presentation is for your child
0: yeah i'm to- i'm totally going to update you on this okay Please. so joe the title of your book is no excuses tell us how can our listeners make sure they don't have any excuses when it comes to delivering a stellar presentation?
1: No excuses for a stellar presentation. One, you belong there. You are the, if you're the expert in that moment, if you're there speaking, that is your moment. There's no comparing to anybody else. It's you. And we want to hear from you. No excuses is pick a couple stories that are a lot of fun. Find the fun in them. We talked about rice and beans today. And already in the rice and beans conversation, we had three, four, five, we're, we're, we're ending with a new story that might be a presentation about this rice and beans dish that is coming from a completely unexpected twist for this class. What grade are they in? Fourth. <laughs> Fourth grade. So you know the kids are gonna taste it. And you know, um, no excuses on your presentation. If you are virtual, get yourself some lights. Get lights, get yourself a green screen, get yourself a good microphone. You will never regret looking like a badass in front of your camera. There are too many people whose message can't be heard because their technology is not up to snuff. Um, And finally, if you have registration... And you're inviting and you really do want it to be for a great number of people. You're looking to be inclusive. Think about it from before step one. Think about the way you can write it, how you can ask if you need people, if there are people who are coming with uh, disabilities that would be impacted by being on Zoom or being somewhere. Include them at the very beginning to say, you know, reach out here, do this, be thoughtful. Because what the thing is, is that is a that adds leverage to us is that the time it takes to make that decision to do something, just a little something, often people don't do it. So if you take the time to be thoughtful and say like, oh, if you need an accommodation, if you need some special requests, please reach out to X, Y, and Z, you know, with this in the subject line, already you have set yourself apart to say, I know that not everybody accesses things in the same way. So inclusion, engagement, engagement, we are here to see you have fun with it. Enjoy it. Sink your teeth into it like a, like a nice big heaping spoon of Mapo. Of Mapas Dale the, the ma- rice. Yes. rice. Add it to the
0: menu. <laughs> That's awesome. Joe Welch, it's been fabulous having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time and expertise.
1: Thank you so much for having me. As we said at the beginning off camera, this is a dialogue. I love the fact that we were able to be in so many different places in just such a short time. You are a fantastic hostess, and I really am grateful for being allowed some time with you to get to know you better.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for your kind words, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in to own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan. I'll check you next time.